And once I start educating the student to say, I'm black, but I'm not African-American, I'm Afro-Latina, he, he's like, oh, I didn't know that thing exists. Oh, I, I, you know, as, as an adult, I just got a key call. But in my head, I was, what? <laughs> because I was like, no way. But I need to understand. It happens to him just it happens to me. Nobody yeah. came to me and told me when I was in school, uh, it's all right, Rosa, for you to be black. Uh, yes, you are black. No morena, no this, no that. It, it's black is the color. And it's okay. And and you are capable to create and or, or build your own future. Don't let nobody told you that you are not. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. So when I ask like what, what I'm black or why I'm morena and all of you are white and stuff. And my mom used to just answer back to me, oh, because you just look like your dad. You should have took this side, not that side. So therefore you're chumba. And let me tell you, that hurts more than if somebody just whip you mm. because the worst stays on you forever. Mm. And then it was not considered child abuse. It was not considered bullying. It was just the way they talked to you. And back in the time, it was no bullying world or anything like that. Everything was just, that's what you get for being Black. But then when I started digging on my backgrounds and stuff and realized that for my dad's size, it, everybody was Black. So then I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, now I don't know what to do. You guys are all Black. And then these people over here is all white. Where are I supposed to be? Uh, I have my uncle that he told me a couple of years ago, I asked him, like, so if we black, then where is this come from? And he said, well, your great-grandfather was a slave that escaped from, uh, from the sugar plantation in Colombia and traveled to Panama, escaping from slavery. And he made up in Panama and worked in the canal. So from generations, my family were, were uh, Panama Canal uh, workers. Yes, okay. And I was like, oh, so that's where I come from. I don't know if we're coming from Nigeria, if we're coming from the Congo, but they do be a population in Panama, in Colón, in Portobello, that they are from Congo. So I'm like, okay, probably I come from the Congo. I need to still investigate more exactly where we come from. But one of my cousins told me, uh, but that's my cousin, which is the daughter of my uncle. So she got her mom's size. Well, but she made this DNA test, you know, those tests that are going on now, the way you can find your ancestors and all 20, that. That's 23andMe and um, Ancestry. Yes. So she um, she says she find out that she's half um, part of Nigeria and other countries on the Africa, including Congo. So I was like, well, I've got, I got some percent of you, of your blood in, in, in you. So it probably something in there. She's like, yeah, but you have to make your own because we have different mothers and her mom was black or is black, I'm sorry. And then my uncle is black. So she was having a lot going on. I need to find out myself so that I make exactly, but you know what, it gave me wrong. For years, I've been scared of that because mm-hmm. I told my husband, I don't know where I come from. I don't, I, I'm kind of scared of where I come from, but you know what I was saying that? Because I wasn't finding myself yet. 
when my husband told me, like you say, once you have one drop of color, you black. You black. And then and for me, when he told me that, I was like traumatized. What do you mean I'm black? You are black. Don't you see yourself in the mirror? I thought I was morena. See, I was using the term morena, denying myself to be black. Well, because that's then, how and, and, that's how you that's were how I was raised all your life. Yeah. yeah, that's the word or the language. People I, use I language the... to, to to explain things, and in the world you were raised in, that's the only language that was put to what your skin tone is. So you don't know anything else. That was the same for mm -hmm. me when I lived in Mexico. Everybody would call me La More La Morena. If I go to Cuba, they called me the same thing. And I guess mm -hmm. I knew I speak Spanish, so I knew it meant it meant brown skin. In Jamaica, they have mm -hmm. different songs, brown skin, whatever. That's the language that was put to explain based on your skin mm -hmm. tone, right? That was just the language, mm -hmm. and that's all you knew. For me, there there's colorism that you can see the difference on on ownership, who owns more of this or who, who owns more of so and so in Jamaica. You can mm -hmm. see that my eyes are clearer now because when I was growing up, I I was never raised to be so keen to look out for things like that. Okay. But now yes. that I'm here and I've re researched and taken classes, I go back now and I can see, I'm like, oh, okay. So my family uh, in the community was always looked upon as having more or whatever, but I didn't realize that it meant something, you see, um, because there was no conversation. There was no conversation mm -hmm. that, okay, these people are less than you because they don't have. It was nobody ever blatantly said that, but apparently in Latin America is a different people actually communicated directly to you that because you, you nobody in my family ever said oh you need to you need to marry a light-skinned person or that was <laughs> never said it was mm -hmm. never said but I guess you're realizing a lot of times it's there if you pay attention and in between the lines of people's communication there is some of it that was, that's there it, but it was never so blatant you see no that was something that was like a rule your parents would say, you don't bring any negrito to my house because you got to oh. get married with somebody white. It was Dios, just like that. Dios mío. No, no, no. That's, that maybe in my <laughs> Incredible. family. Maybe in my family, but there was nobody that ever I ever heard. This was just not the culture, right? In my community, in the circles, in the where how I was raised. And I guess my family protected us from that. I don't know. Perhaps some other people may have different experiences being raised on the island, but that was not mine. And mm -hmm. But I'm realizing after I left home, you see. So I was raised mm -hmm. in this big bubble. But when I left from home from Kansas City, Missouri and moved to D.C. in 2005, and all of a sudden, my eyes were open that, okay, Simone, you have certain privileges that other people, other immigrants may not have had. Okay, you came mm -hmm. here straight legally with your family. You were able to go straight off to college. There are other people going through the immigration pipeline who are in different statuses, who are hiding in the shadows because they, mm -hmm. they didn't come here or they came on a tourist visa and then they ran off. And so they're hiding. But I, I mm. was raised in a, we, these are not conversations we had because, and I guess this is where you don't realize that that is a privilege until you start being exposed to other people's experiences around you, you see. It was funny because uh, when I got here, my husband was always telling me ahead, like when we hit, um, because we, the first station that we have was Puerto Rico. 
So when they closed the, the Panama Canal, we was one of the last units to leave the country and we was moved to uh, Puerto Rico. Um, I experienced, well, I, for me it was easy. I speak Spanish, okay. I kind of like mix in between the uh, island, but I did experience some racism uh, with some Puerto Ricans and stuff, but um, I didn't pay attention to that too much. But my husband told me, well, you might pass here because you speak Spanish and, and all that, but once we get to the United States, you got to be prepared because that thing that you think that uh, uh, it's not going to play, it's going to play. You're black. And then you have to be careful with this, this. And he started kind of like, give me some instructions to have to, how to move around because most of the time I was by myself with my kids because he was always in some mission. So we arrived to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. But then I saw a lot of black and white. And I was like, this is the same thing in my country. They black, they get married with white and all that. But then when I went in college, when I started, uh, I used to have my 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 own daycare back in, uh, in, in the, when we moved to Fort Knox, Kentucky. And, and you know, I started realizing more stuff through my own business, through also when I went preparing myself, you know, getting in college and all that. And I was like, wow, okay, so I'm black here in the United States. And I can mix with white people if I want to, but I can also get married with a white, uh, with a, a black man. I'm, okay, I'm already married with a black man. So I started putting pieces together. And then one of the things that really impacted me, it was if I go out with him and we are in a group of people on his unit, let's say, as soon as he opened my mouth, they think I'm black American. But in the minute that I start talking, they, oh, wait, where do you come from? Because of my accent. Mm. And then they start asking me, you Jamaican? Or are you from Haiti? Or you from Santo Domingo? Because they start looking at the color of my skin. Yeah, and try to place and then, you. And then I was like, no, I'm from Panama. Panama? What? And I'm asking myself still today, when I say Panama, what do they think? Like, the Panamanians are white? Or, you know, there was a surprise. And okay, go on. But then when I started working as a teacher and I got into my first classroom to teach Spanish, my students were asking me if we're going to make tortillas, frijoles. And, and, and I was like, oh, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. You're coming to learn Spanish, but I'm not Mexican. And then the, 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 one of the things that I didn't realize were they coming in, they're asking me in English. I'm answering back to them in English. They didn't get yet, you know, know who is in front of them, right? So they yeah. thought that I was either a sub or I just know some Spanish and will teach them. Mm -hmm. When I start speaking in Spanish, they say, oh, you speak Spanish? Where? So where are you from? And I have to teach my, my students geography, history, language, because they, they didn't know. And I'm not talking about level one Spanish. Level two. So they already went to level one. But what happened is that in the books or some of the books before, when I started, all the culture was about Mexico. A lot of Americans think that Hispanics are just Mexicans. Yeah. So even if you, saw, you say Panama Canal, they don't click on the culture that we are Hispanics too. So what I started learning and studying and doing my research that they thought that when you say you're going to learn Spanish, all you're going to learn is the piñata, the quinceañera, the tacos, the tortillas. 
and the curriculum can just be based on that because the Latin American world is huge. So I'm, I'm, I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. My students need to know about me, about my culture and the rest of the Latin American culture. But then also I have seen, you know, many textbooks that have been kind of updated as well and bring it also resources, but nothing like your own teacher being from the country that is not Mexico, that is different, that they that she can move uh, the curriculum into another steps. I talked to my students about immigration of people from Venezuela all the way to the United States. We made maps, we studied different facts and different cultures because Venezuela, uh, Venezolanos, immigrants, they will be walking from different countries until they get to Panama and then try to cross to the United States. But that's what they don't, they didn't know that it was problem with immigrants and it's not just Mexicans that have immigrant problems or stuff. It was also uh, Venezuela, Colombians and many others. So how can you base your classes in just teaching uh, grammar or even teaching dance, but you don't teach more about culture and let uh, them know really, that the Latin American really. world is more wide. Huh? Right, right, right. The roots, the roots, the roots. Yeah, the see. roots of everything. Right. Like, I, I told I, my students, I have one student, Caucasian student, and he said, why are all your classes about Black people? And I say, because that's where I come. Look at me. What else you, what else I can teach you? I need you to tell, I need you to understand that we are here, that we exist, that we are not just Black History Month or Martin Luther King anniversary. No, no, no. We are here 24 seven, 365. And this is not just African-Americans. This is Afro-Latinos. And once I start educating the student to say, I'm black, but I'm not African-American, I'm Afro-Latina, he, he's like, oh, I didn't know that thing exists. Oh, I, I, you know, as, as an adult, I just got a key call, but in my head I was, what? <laughs> because I was like, no way, but I need to understand. It happens to him just as it happens to me. Yes, Nobody yeah. came to me and told me when I was in school, uh, it's all right, Rosa, for you to be black. Uh, yes, you are black. No morena, no this, no that. It, it's black is the color. And it's okay. And and you are capable to create and or, or build your own future. Don't let nobody told you that you are not. And those are the things for then after I found myself, I found my roots, then now I am strongly advocating for this to be changed and for this to be brought into the classrooms. So as you imagine, you go to the doctor and the doctor is 50, 60 something years old, but he talking to you on the medicine that was back when he was on his twenties because he never grow into the research of the new medicine and the new advantage of medicine and all that. What is the same thing with education? You need yeah. to keep studying. You need to keep doing research so that you can be able to promote, to, to bring a quality of education to the children. And that includes culture, color, anything in there. The truth. It's the truth of the world that is around you, you see. There, this mm-hmm. is not something that we're making up. This is the reality of the world, authentically true, true information based on 
who lives in this country, the people that exist here, what languages they speak. I am just simply baffled every when I have these conversations, right? And I'm so concerned about my daughter going to school here, right? Because this is not, we were exposed in Jamaica to history of so many different places. That small island has such a rigor and exposure for every student, no matter how dark your skin color is or how light you are. I'm not saying that there's not colorism, that people who may be lighter may not have access to certain things or play certain roles. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist now. So mm -hmm. whoever might be listening, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you, I grew up with from the darkest to the lightest. We have Chinese in our school. We had Indians in our school, everybody. And it was when I came here that I, in the United mm -hmm. States, I started learning about racism and the fact that skin color had a meaning. I never once thought mm -hmm. that my skin tone meant anything to me. Right. And it's just so mm -hmm. sad. It is so sad that this thing has been perpetrated to such a depth and through so many generations. I am just like, um, and my daughter is now at four years old starting to notice things. And it breaks my heart because I tried, I was doing my best to keep her from even seeing certain things, but she, she watches videos and she's, and, and she's, she's very yeah. smart. Their children are very smart these days. We were, we didn't yes. have devices and exposed to things, but there is so much and they are observing and they're observing with, they come here with fresh. The devices. They, they, they come very fresh. They don't, they're not indoctrinated. So they're just looking at A and B and drawing conclusions because they're look, they're just observing. Right. And so, mm -hmm. She had a conversation recently with me and, and, and was saying so-and-so and talking about hair and eye color and such. And I was just really so taken aback. I wasn't prepared for that conversation. She is four. And I had mm -hmm. a white lady, right? I don't like to use these terms because to me, I black white means nothing and it tells me nothing about a person I see people yeah. now indigenous Latin Americans coming in that, who are being referred to as white or put ticking off boxes that they're white white to me means Caucasian which also means European American so I have no yeah. idea how people now from Latin America and from other parts of the world just because they have a fear or a lighter skin tone are now being classified as being white, which is just mad to me. And it doesn't say anything about your ethnicity. It said nothing, it says nothing about your culture, where you come from or what it means to you. So, I mean, it's just this social construct that just drives me mad. But any, in any mm -hmm. case, what this lady, uh, I want to say European descent, right? Because we're all immigrants to this country. And she said to me, you know, you don't need to worry about that. This was when my daughter was, maybe uh, months old, maybe eight mm -hmm. months, actually. And she said, you know, children don't start picking these things up until they're seven. And when I moved no. to Georgia, when I moved to Georgia and started having certain experiences, I, I, that just made me so livid because I had never really experienced or my eyes are not open and I can now recognize that this is the system that operates here in this country and I can see things. And I'm in the South. And people are more blatant with it. I mean, I just started being so vocal and I'm just like, listen, I, I, I will give my life for my daughter, right? You are not going to classify mm -hmm. her. You are not going to tell her that she's a second class citizen to nobody, right? And so, but I, I'm listening mm -hmm. to you and I'm realizing in Panama, this was communicated verbally, vo so blatantly in school, 
from your family all around you. I wasn't raised like that. And so I'm kind of like, what, what kind of a world is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it was. And, uh, and that's, I thought was the, I thought was the normal thing. I, I, I just, when I look back, when I started remembering stuff, I, I was like, I just feel like how much time waste um, growing into what is not the truth. And well, now, now it has changed a little bit. I cannot say too much. I've been out of Panama for like 23 years. And when I come in and now it's not enough time for me to see so many stuff, right? But um, I have heard that still be a little bit of racism. They, they do have some black people in their shows and all that. It's a little bit more acceptable now, but um, it was just the way that you was raised. Our parents, probably also parents, that was the way it was. But it had changed, time changed, uh, time comes and changed everything as well. I see a little bit more, but however, I went through, uh, my last trip to Panama was in March this year, and I went through a uh, Cologne, and still kind of, I feel like kind of like they still need more help. Mm. And the Jute in Cologne as well need need more help. And it's it just, it's still, it's just mindset. Indigenous uh, were highly discriminated back when I was in Panama, when, when I was growing up in there. Um, and it was just like, like the United States minorities are, are uh, Hispanics or stuff. Well, in Panama was the minority, was the indigenous and the black people, black community or black people. And it was like few people who can own a business in there. It's like here too. How many black people, you know, they own business. You don't see a huge franchise or stuff that is belong to a African-American. And that's that this is their country, right? So it's like we need to help in education so that the, the students grow with empathy for other cultures and acceptance for everyone is equal. Uh, and then also in the business sex, section in which the, our future, I mean, our, our, our students' future, that they grow with the mindset that they can create companies, that they can have anything they want through education, through hard work, yeah. But not because I can't have it because it's a problem every time somebody of colors will try to make a, uh, uh, fill out these documents or so. In, in Latin America is that if you don't know someone, then you can get nothing. You have to know somebody. I hope that thing one day stop. Yeah, connections and stuff. And, and that you be able to get anything that you plan to have in life through who you are and through your through efforts you know. right? through your efforts yes, right? through your efforts yes if you research and you can find the information and you know something is available then you can put the work in the merit system mm-hmm. and you can now move your social status based on your efforts right um but this whole nepotism mm-hmm. thing where it's about your connections and you know you're connected to this so then you get put in a job whether you are qualified or competent or not it doesn't matter just yesterday in my cafecito cultural we was talking about uh the journey of the of the mother africa and her diaspora yes. and and the person that i was interviewing 
she was saying that in Africa, they don't know what's going on down here. They didn't know that, they know that there were some of their families were taken as a slave, right? But they don't know what ended up in this side. So the experience, they, experience, sorry. Yeah, yeah. and then we have, so she she's trying to do a journey of reconciliation of their mother Africa with her diaspora. I'm applause, and I am one of the, uh, I can say like, I'm 100% on that project that she have. Because do you imagine your people out there in Africa don't know what's going on with you when they took you here. When they take you here and then you got the story here to then go and communicate that to them. It's like, it's like the final connection that we need after you realize or after that you find out your roots and who you are. Let me go there and tell my cousin, my, my, my brother, my auntie or somebody in there that I never met and they never met, met me what happened when their people were taken over here and they're, how I was suffering the consequences of it. Right. Can you imagine Gen how beautiful is that? Generations later. Generations later. Generations. Try to unify this world. Pero senora, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. I am baffled. I am, and I still don't understand. I'm trying to find somebody. If you're listening out there, I'm looking for somebody who is in education, who can explain to me what critical race theory is and why there are governors, there are people, politicians, people in government who are fighting against teaching the truth of American history. I am baffled. I mean, uh, to find out that the truth about slavery and what actually happened and what they teach in school are can be so far from the truth, I am just... I, I, I can't make sense of it. And if you imagine that it's not being taught mm -hmm. here in the United States in the schools, so the, the, for, for, the, for African-Americans who have generations of family in this country, and then for immigrants who are coming in, not even being taught the truth of what, it, what the history is, then you know that outside of the borders of the United States, it's not being taught either because we were never taught any of this when we were in school growing up about American history, the brutality of slavery and Jim mm -hmm. Crow and all of that. It was when I got here that I got a little bit and it was not until about five years ago that I started doing my own research and, and realizing that the brutality and of, of the system that existed because I came in not even knowing what I was coming into. And I asked this mm -hmm. question, if my family knew what the truth was of what we needed, we were coming into and were going to be exposed to, would they have made the same decision? Would immigrants, Black immigrants... Um, with the anti-blackness that exists around the world based on media projections and how we're stereotypes, would people make the same decisions of the reality of what it's like to exist in a workplace here as a black person and what the experience is like? Because mm -hmm. I came in very naive knowing you've heard the experience that I was raised in. I was so far from any reality of this. It's not like I was raised in a real in an environment where I was told I'm brown and I'm darker than somebody in my family who's lighter. So that means I can't pursue a master's degree. I can't work for the U.S. government. I can't do this. We were never taught any of this. And so I came yes. in and I excelled to my heart's desire because I didn't know any different. <laughs> and then I come here <laughs> and come up against people who are basically sending me subliminal messages and microaggressions, basically 
I, I am just now learning and looking back that some of my experiences, people were basically telling me that I was too brown for certain mm. roles or certain positions that I was holding. And I didn't even realize it. I just thought that you're just a mean person. And now I'm yeah, realizing that the mm-hmm. system of racial class and what they call, um, in India, they call it, they have the caste system. So there's a caste system that is basically out playing here in the U.S. where the lighter people are at the top and the darker people at the bottom. That's basically what it is. People don't mm-hmm. call it caste here in the U.S. They call it racial racism. But it's basically a caste system, right? And in so and so yes. it's projected it's projected in media it's protect projected in movies or whatever you watch and so for people who are in in other countries when you travel around the world and you for me when I traveled around the world and I I was always baffled why is there such anti-blackness or such anti Mm -hmm, against people mm -hmm. of African descent no matter what country you go to you get the same sort of sentiment and I'm saying to myself I've never met these people they've never experienced me or my family why is there such hate but because it is projected in the media and and in other media and people learn based on what they watch in movies and how people exactly. are portrayed exactly. in music and whatever. And so this is how they learn. And apparently there's a new book that I just came across that um, there's this Indian lady and African-American lady just wrote called White Women. And they're talking about white supremacy. And the Indian lady is basically saying, mm-hmm. as an immigrant, when their family came from India to the US, they made a, a conscious decision that they're coming over to behave like they're white. And they're going to choose wow. to be more like the white folks because there is ac- economic access that goes along with that. You'll be mm-hmm. more, ac- you will have more access by people who are considered white in the country, and they're going to be very anti black. So if they already know in the entire country how people are mm-hmm. treated here or Blacks are treated here in the U.S., then you already know when they experience you abroad, these are the cert- certain types of conditioning and mental awareness that they have that, in, in fact, that's what, that's what you're going to experience. And so I don't understand why the truth of the American history of the history of the United States is being prevented from being taught in school because we risk repeating the same mistakes again. We risk repeating whatever atrocities that took place. I mean, you, you, you hear Uh the Holocaust, people talk about the Holocaust everywhere you go and the Jews will not let you forget but I cannot understand why the history of how blacks were treated here in this country or people of African descent were treated here in the US or in, in the diaspora around the world. Why the truth is being hidden. In Jamaica, it's hidden. fully taught. We knew about slavery. We knew about the very gory part of it to the heroes, to people who, who Marcus Garvey and all those type of people who triumphed and how the country has grown and South Africa and things like that with apartheid. But I, I'm, I don't under, I can't really put words to why the truth of the American history is being prevented from being taught in school. Why would you complete they, the entire history? Uh, it's truth. It's the truth. It's not like people are making things up. It doesn't make I heard sense. when they, no, it doesn't make sense because what I heard one day was that for them, it's not convenient for everyone to learn about the truth because according to them, people is not prepared and it killed 
it could become something racial and problem later in being more racial. I mean, just just watching people's brains about why it should be taught or not. Um, but you're going to be teaching the student that what is wrong is right, but you don't want to talk to them about uh, uh, about the truth that happened so many years ago. And wow, even just the minimal detail of how people, how black people got here. Because we didn't got here because we took a cruise to come to the United States. Yeah, we <laughs> our ancestors didn't came. Yeah, they didn't came here because they just find out that it's a, a, a spot here that they just can't go. No, they was forced to come here as a slave. No immigrants. No, not that they were having money to come over here to find an American dream. They were having their own American, uh, the, uh, the, the African dream in there. Why they were taken from there to come here and a slave and how brutally were the work that they have to, or everything that they have to support here. According to some scholars or people who don't want the idea of this critical, um, um, what do you call the right. critical race right. theory is because they, they thinking that it will kind of like make like a big boom in a negative way. Now, if we don't have our brains set up for knowing that that is not true, then what do people do automatically? They don't talk about that no more because they want to avoid problems. But then these called white supremacy and steal them in power because they're going to tell you when to talk or not or what to talk about or not. So and what rights you and what rights you have and how you're supposed to behave, and um, mm -hmm. and then you have ch generations of children who are being raised that they're an underclass, and now, now yes, you wonder why you have young people in this country who are struggling to with their identity and who they're supposed to be, and they're having trouble learning in school because all they've been taught is that you're no good. You can, you can only aspire to be a rap artist or, you know, you're going to basically end up in jail. And now you wonder why these children have no motivation. It's, it's just like this dichotomy that mm -hmm. does not make sense to me. If you want mm -hmm. people to do well, then you empower them and you pour in what you want out. If you treat, but if I've... you give them, teach them garbage, then you're going to get garbage. Yeah. So you, do you notice is how, um, how Caucasian people raise their kids, they, they save money. So they got money to send the, the kids for, uh, to college, right? To buy houses. They, they, they know what they're doing. But then we have been raised in a way like we, we don't have money. We don't, we don't gonna probably be some, such a, this, this college unless we get a scholarship or so. But why, how come they can do stuff they can raise, uh, they can save money and be prepared because they come in from generation to generations knowing what they have to do, but they telling all of, all of the uh, uh, Afro-descendants, mm -hmm. uh, other people of color, uh, you, are, you cannot do this or you don't gonna get this or this and that. So that stays on your mind for so long. I mean, I leave that, I leave that. I was not born and raised here, okay? And where I come from, it was taught that Unless you get married with a white man, you don't, you kind of like don't, don't go up in, this, in social status or your kids will not have opportunity because they're still being black. 
but why not being black and be successful? What was the problem? It was just this, the, the brainwash of things. If but you it, grow up with someone telling you, no, you don't because you're black. No, 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 no. The word no never get out of your mind and don't have the opportunity to travel or get to know other cultures or get to know the truth, then you're always going to be slave. Yes. But the thing about it is, but then the, the, the other, the flip side of that, then you hear people say, when you, when you um, feed these children such negativity and they don't know their history, they have identity issues because you're not giving them the truth, right? Um, to empower mm -hmm. them to be motivated to do better. Then, then you hear this communication and this um, negative stereotype that is projected in the media that they're lazy, that they, you know, they don't, they're the ones who are not working hard enough. But then the system that's in place does not support even when they work hard enough to try and get out of what where they are. I heard a lady researcher right she she talks about the post-slavery syndrome and she's doing a mm. lot of research on the slave trade and how people who transported a slavery across and you know you hear about modern day slavery these days and the ages of young girls and boys and women and whoever is being trafficked over right for modern day mm -hmm. slavery but the truth is those were the same things that were happening you have young females probably children who were caught up in that who were raped mistreated and all of this and she talks about the, there's a cognitive dissonance that takes place the whole reason why slavery was able to take place and and to happen for so long is because of the dehumanization of black people so they have to convince themselves that you're not really human because if if they if you're human from human to human and the stuff that was done to people then you know there's something that's going to go on in your mind and in your conscience that tells you that you're doing something wrong. But they had literally had to convince themselves that what they were doing to you made sense because you were less than human, right? And so, mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense to me, it's like this madness that continues to perpetrate itself. If you want people to do better, then you empower them to do better. You provide the resources. You, you then put in what you want, you know, because they know themselves. They make sure their children are being, being are, are receiving what they need in order to perform later on in life and to become healthy citizens. So then why is it any different yeah. for you to pour in the same sort of investment in another set of people and get the same result? It doesn't make sense. It, I'm just completely like, I literally am coming at this from somebody from the outside who was not raised mm -hmm. in an environment like that. And it doesn't make any sense to me. But then you hear them communicating day and night about how these children are lazy. They're not trying to help themselves. But the entire system is set up to work against them. And even when they try, mm -hmm. they try, the system holds them back and make it as difficult as possible for them to get out of the position that they were in or their family was in. <laughs> so what is <laughs> it? So for me, basically, what, what is my daughter going to be receiving when she goes to school? Mm -hmm. because she oh, she's brown skin right so she has one drop of black blood so she's from the african diaspora i have no problem with that right now that we're using language mm -hmm. to describe mm -hmm. 
So, so you want to tell me that she's going to constantly be communicated from birth that she's no good. And because of her skin tone that she's supposed to remain in a certain place in society. But then at the end of it, you're going to tell her that it was her fault that she didn't move out of where she was because she didn't work hard enough. No. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you keep, keep, um, keep influence your daughter with the positiveness of the color of her skin. That she be proud of her hair, her skin color, her futures, her physical futures, everything. And then no one can change her mind and say that that's wrong or that it's not acceptable. We are all equal human beings. So from there, of course, she needs her education. And she needs to become professional because that's 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 important. You can be beautiful or say all that, but you have to also influence the the I always say students, as a teacher I always say students, but our children that they need to get educated, but they also need to be aware that the differences there are in the world and don't feel less of anyone from anyone. Okay. Yeah. Just One of the things there's just because of skin tone now doctor, yeah, injustice is going to be there all the time. This is not something that will change one day just because a group of people get together. It was just moved up here and there and all that, but it was always going to be there. And she's going to get many times in which, in which she will face the problem with racism and colorings and, and discriminations and all that. But once you know who you are and you, your pillars are founded in the education that your parents did for you or how do they shape you to prepare you for the world out there, it will make a huge difference of an individual who was not having that opportunity. Join us next time for part three of this episode. Friends, as always, please subscribe, comment, and share if you enjoyed this interview. If you're passionate about telling immigrant stories, our team is looking for help. If you're willing to help with podcast production, social media, or Patreon management, please reach out to us. You can also donate on our Patreon if it's easier for you. All the links are in the description below. Thank you. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.